Today I want to talk about ideological clones and what civilization really means for us as a society, as a race of humanity. Um, when you hear the word clone, people typically think of a copy of a person. I think of Dolly the Sheep, for example. Twins are natural clones, right? They're copies of a genetic code existing in human form. Um, when I say the word ideological clone, I want you to think about what that really means. And what I mean by that is if you take a person who physically they might be genetically different, but intellectually they believe exactly the same things, that is an ideological clone. And if that thing that they believe can be found across, let's say, 50 million people, 70 million people, more or less believing the exact same thing, at that point, you're droids, right? Like, you're not even a conscious human being, right? Somebody outside of yourself put those ideas, those thoughts, those ideologies into your brain, programmed those ideas, those thoughts, those ideologies into your brain. You didn't come to that conclusion, to that same conclusion, as 50 million people simultaneously on your own. That, that's not how things work, right? Naturally speaking, when you, let's say you take 50 million people in their raw, raw form, take their minds in their raw form, as children, for example, that's when a mind is the most raw. They all believe different things, right? But as a person becomes older, as they age, and they become exposed to the agents that are used to program people, um, you start to find that more and more people start thinking in the exact same way uh, across the board. That is an ideological clone. And at that point, can you really say that you're conscious? Can you really say that you have free will? If all your perceptions are based on pre-programmed projections, right? Ideologies that have been imposed on you due to the nature of the society that you found yourself in. So these ideologies could be your beliefs on religion, your beliefs um, about what's normative, your belief about you know what to do for a living, how your life should be, who you should marry, um, you know, even down to the point of like, okay, these are the steps that I need to, to take in order to be consider myself to be con- successful, right? If you you have 300 plus million Americans in this country, and uh, the majority of them have a particular belief on what constitutes success. And for most people, if you ask them, what does it mean to be successful? You ask them to name like top 10 most successful people on the planet. They will immediately start naming, you know, Bill Gates, um, uh, uh, Jeff Bezos, Steve, you know, those kind of people that we've been kind of programmed to equate financial acquisition, right? Or financial success um, with like the definition of success across the board. So when you ask people to name successful people, if they all give you the same answer, you know, people who are wealthy, people who are billionaires, that tells you that across the board, the majority of people have been programmed to think that the only type of success that exists for humanity is fiscal, right? Is fiscally driven, is monetary, 
right? Particularly in this country. Um, so what that tells me and what that should tell you is that those people are ideological clones of each other. And if they believe that that's a definition of success, right? And they want to be successful because that's another thing that's a programmed ideology that you should strive, strive for success, right? Then they will do what they need to, they will do they will live their lives in such a way, in very similar ways, similar to other people. They will live their lives in such a way that they will strive to become wealthy, you know, by any means necessary. Because in their minds, they believe that, one, there's only one way to be successful, and that's, you know, to achieve, you know, wealth, to acquire wealth, right? So you're not... No, these people aren't pausing to ask themselves, well, how do I define success, right? Because there are other types of success, right? You could be successful just, you know, being a good father, being a good husband, right? Being a good artist, being, living a, a fruitful life, right? Living, living a meaningful life. You can, on your own, as an individual, determine that this is what, my life will look like and this is what I determine success is you are well within your rights to do that you are well within your rights to determine how to view you know what you consider success to be right but the fact that the majority of people believe that in this very very fine very small very specific idea of what success is tells you that they are also going to live in live in very similar ways right they you'll take those people who believe the same thing that this is success and they're going to chase money because that's the only type of success there is get what i mean and from that point on you can also see how you know they will end up developing either marrying the same types of people you know purchasing the same sort of things um living in the same type of way even down to eating the same kind of things, like, because in their mind, if I want to be successful, right, these are the things that I need to do. This is the way I need to dress. This is the way I need to be. These are the things that I need to consume in order to give the air, to present an air of success to other people. Because I guess another ideological, you know, cloned idea is that the impressions of other people should matter right so that's another ideology that your mind has been you know programmed with um that is something that i think i've spoken about you know at some length on previous episodes but i really wanted to revisit today because if you're living a life that you are that are that is driven by ideas that were implanted in you from a young age they say i believe 90 to 95 percent of your actions are driven by your subconscious desires right your subconscious drive so that means then that if most of you are alive the majority of your decisions are played out based on things that 95 percent of your mind that you're not even conscious of and i'm arguing that that 95 percent of your subconscious are ideas that were implanted into your mind programmed into your mind by your society by your friends by your family by television by the media by genetics even, to a certain extent, that means that you're not living your life. These abstract ideologies are 
driving you, right? Or driving your behaviors or driving your actions. If you never pause to examine that, if you never pause to ask yourself, why am I doing the things that I do? Then how are you different from a computer or robot, an unconscious entity, a non-sentient being? Because your computer is pre-programmed before you even power it on, you know, it is pre-programmed with a, with a set of coding, with programs, right, for it to behave in a certain way. And the way a, we've defined, society has defined, technology has defined a computer becoming sentient is when it takes these programs, examines it, but then chooses to go more or less against how it's been programmed, right? And then there's the argument, you know, could, you know, the singularity occur? Could AIs become sentient? While we're sitting here arguing why if AIs can become sentient, nobody's stopping to ask ourselves, or I should say very few people are stopping to ask if humans themselves are even considered, could be considered sentient, right? Think about it. Ideological clones. Why are you working where you work? Why are you living the way you live? Why did you go to the college that you went to? Why are you living in the home that you live in? Why are you driving the car that you're driving? Is there something that was driven out of a conscious thought? Or is it, are these, were these choices made because people outside of yourself, your parents who were able to grab a hold of your mind at a young age and start imposing their will and their ideas that were also imposed on them, which were also imposed by their, you know, on their parents, which was also imposed by their parents, right? So you have people you've never met. If you're going all the way back to great, 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 great grandparents passing on these ideas and these ideologies and people in the past are now influencing your actions, your behavior. Are you, can you call yourself sentient? Like legit, think about that. Can you call yourself sentient? If you're not even in charge or if you're not even conscious of what drives you, why you're doing what it is that you're doing, what do you actually want? How do you define success? Is your definition of success based on something you concluded on your own? Or what you think other people expect from you? Are you looking at your life based on you and your own wants, your own needs, your own desires, your own aspirations? Or are you living a life for others? Are you living a life that's programmed by the expectations of others? If you are, then you can't claim to be sentient. Before we start worrying about whether or not computers can be sentient, Ask yourself if you are sentient. Go and look up the definition of sentient. And then ask yourself, am I sentient? Am I in control of who I am? I know people who, for one reason or another, maybe might be attracted to a particular person. One of my friends, she's been single for a while. And she she says she's attracted to people of a different um ethnic group than she is but she doesn't act on it because she's concerned of what her family will think or what her parents will think and more importantly because her parents have told her um i think it's important that you stick to your own kind whatever the fuck that means if you're human <laughs> what else are you i mean it's humankind 
if the other person is also a human being, then that kind of falls within that description of sticking to your own kind. But of course, her parents' ideologies were imposed on them by their parents. And so they passed that ideology on to her. And now she's in this place where she's, you know, stuck between trying to find partners that she's not, you know, necessarily attracted to and also trying to appease or her parents, but her parents aren't living her life. She is, and her parents aren't dealing with the consequences of not following her heart, of not being, you know, not living the life that she wants, of not determining what she wants from her life. She's a clone. She's living her parents' life. So she's a clone of her parents. Her mind, I should say, her mind is a clone of her parents' aspirations her parents' ideologies. You've got to go to church every Sunday. That's not her. She doesn't want to get up every Sunday morning and go to church, but she gets up every morning to go to mass at seven o'clock in the morning. That's her parents' ideology, right? She went to med school. That's her parents' ideology. She didn't want to go to med school. She wanted to do something else with her life. She wanted to travel. She wanted to see the world. She wanted to just kind of see where life takes her. And instead, she's living her parents' life. Right, So the, the, the ideas of what she can and can't do, even though there's a part of her that sort of fights that, because obviously that's what she's talking to me about, because it bothers her. But on the opposite end, she still feels obligated to live her life in a certain way. So her mind is not even her own. Her thoughts are being influenced by others. It's her, her ideologies that she holds are basically cloned, right? or I should say her ideologies that she owns are a clone or a copy of her parents' ideologies, which are also a copy of their parents' ideologies. And it goes on and on and on. Will she be able to break the cycle? Will she be able to break the code? Um, I don't know. That's up to her to kind of figure out how she wants to live her life. But um, it's painfully apparent what is happening with her. You know, um, my this is uh, my husband and I, this is not our first uh, marriage um, to each other. And, um, you know, we talk about it. And I think that my first marriage was also motivated, motivated by the same ideas where, um, and while I loved my ex-husband, um, I think for me, one of the things that I considered was, was his ethnicity, right? So he was African-American, um, and I obviously am African-American and, was he maybe the best person for me? Um, no, obviously, because we're divorced. <laughs> but that the fact that we were similar um, in our ethnic um, makeup made, you know, dating him sort of easier than maybe if I would have dated a person that was not of color, a white person. And so, and same with my husband. He, you know, he said from a young age, I've always been attracted to different you know, people who were different from me. Um, there's just something about, you know, being able to connect with somebody from a different culture and sort of blending together and learning from each other. Um, but he said he never really felt that he could act on it because he comes from a very, you know, strong, like as they're Italians, you know, it's, he's half Jewish, you know, and I'm sorry, he's half Italian and, you know, with a little bit of, you know, Jewish, you know, so very strong, um, but they're mostly Italian, so the very strong sort of cultural um, influences that say you, you got to just, you know, stick with your kind kind of thing, which is funny to me because his mom is, you know, Italian, but the father is an Italian. And 
<laughs> that whole idea of oh, you got to stick to your own kind is kind of goofy when you're not even married to quote your own kind if you had to stick with your own kind then she should have also married an italian person not somebody who was you know um german um not german i'm sorry uh, jewish rather um so that was kind of funny to me um then it just comes down to, okay, how much are you going to whittle that expectation of, quote, sticking to your own kind before eventually we all realize that we're all human kind, right? Like we're all human beings. So, um, but I'm sure before her, right, her, obviously her parents were both Italians and then her parents before that, her grandparents, I should say, were also Italian. So she deviated from the whole, you got to just stick with Italians or whatever a bit, but she like it didn't click for her that she broke the same code that she is she was expecting her son to live up to I and mean, this is real talk this is real shit um i'm not really afraid to talk about these things because this is real life um and certainly not throwing her on a bus as she's gotten to know me and as i've gotten to know her she you know actually apologized she said you know she's older i mean she's like almost 80 and she was just saying like I apologize for that um now that I've gotten to know you I I I really really deeply regret even saying those things you know it's just growing up you know in New York it's like that's all you're really exposed to is people that are just like you and so you just come to believe that that's what's supposed to be normal and then you worry about um you know how life would be for for your children and their spouses if they're different. And I and I get it. So, you know, I I don't I don't blame her because she did grow up in a different time. I actually saw an article um yesterday. It was a, a newsprint somebody had posted on social media. There was a uh did I save it? Yeah, I did save it. So it was a clip um in uh in the Minneapolis Tribune and they interviewed five different people three men and two women. And the question they asked was, would a woman be a good president? Now, this was in 1963, they asked this question. Would a woman be a good uh, president? So the first guy said no. His name is Frank Campa. He said no. Today, their mind is one way, and then the next day it changes. The second guy, Tom Romanovsky, he says no. I don't have that much faith in women to let them run the country, right? Then the first woman, they asked her, and it was Mrs. Maureen Mellum. She says, no, a man is more responsible. Women have enough problems without being president. This is 1963, you guys. Some of these people who answer these questions are, you know, or I should say people during this time are still alive. A lot of these people who lived through that time are still alive and those ideologies are still influencing their children and to a certain extent even their children's children you get it because of the concept i'm talking about when you're when you when your ideology is just a clone of what came before you right the second woman interviewed was mrs tom romanowski oh i see she doesn't even give her name. I just realized that. Like, so the, the first lady was Mrs. Maureen. So she at least gives her first name. But then, remember I mentioned a Tom Romanowski. So she doesn't even give what her first name is. And they're both, looks like they both live in the same address. And her response is, no, a woman is too likely to give in. They might not stand their ground when they should. 
which is, I mean, that's sad. The only person of the three men and the two women that was interviewed, that were interviewed rather, of all the five people that were interviewed, the only person that gave a decent answer was a man named Vern House. And his response was, she couldn't do any worse than some some of the presidents we've already had, right? So out of the five people interviewed, one of them actually had a common sense answer. That's a person who was not an ideological clone. So the other four, the two men and the two women, kind of echo the same sentiment, right? Belittling women, right? One said that, you know, women are flighty. They change your mind for day, from day to day. Like, what the fuck is that? You know, this, the second one, I don't have faith in a woman to let them, to let them run the country. Okay. And you have, the, you know, the third one, this is a woman saying, women have enough problems, you know, without being president. A man is more responsible. What? How is a man more responsible when women, and anyway, I'm not even going to, you guys form your own conclusion, just leave that alone. Um, and yeah, I mean, what's the point of arguing with somebody with an ideology that's that dated? And then, you know, we get the fourth woman saying, no, a woman is more likely to give in. What? Right? But that is the idea. These are the ideas. These are the perspectives that were imposed on them to the point where regardless of gender, both the male and female, uh, females, both males and females were saying the exact same thing, answering the exact same way. The only person that de- that deferred from, you know, the norm was one person. And he, he said, well, she can't do any worse than all the other guys you've had, right? Which is a logical answer. It also speaks to the fact that in his mind, he sees women as equals, whereas the other four did not. And when you see people, like I said in the beginning of this episode, when you see people echoing the same sentiment, they're not thinking, right? Garbage in, garbage out. You ask them a question, they give you an answer. There's no thought process happening. There's no, you know, well, let me think about that. You know, what do you mean by that? You know, how does that, you know, like they're not, there's not questioning. That's just, you ask me a question, I'm giving you the same answers as everybody else. That's a problem. Right. What took me on this topic was I noticed on on I think I kind of referenced this a little bit before, but even like on on social media, when it comes to politics, if you if you answer a question in a way or if you respond to a tweet in a way, people just kind of assume that you fall into just two categories. Right. So if I go into a let's say a conversation a tweet with somebody and respond and i say um i'm actually pro life right people will automatically just assume that okay if you're pro life then you are also um you know a, a bible thumper you know you are a bigot you are a um you know a uh, homophobic um, you are uh, super Christian, you know, you've evangelical, because clearly if you have this, you know, idea, then you basically fall under just these two groupings of where people should be ideologically. But the thing is, I am pro-life for myself, but I'm pro-choice <laughs> for other people, right? Because it's not my right 
to tell another woman what to do with her body. It's not my right to impose my views on other human beings. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I to tell another woman how and what to do with her body? Right now, when you present it that way, then people get confused. Wait, no, you can't be in the middle. You have to choose one side. I don't have to do shit but pay taxes and die. I don't have to do anything. Right? I can form a balanced opinion looking at both sides. If I force myself on one side, then I'm imbalanced by definition. Right? If you only take one view on one topic of something, you're, you become mentally imbalanced by definition. I'm going to come back to that thought. Here's another good one. Um, let's say, you know, they're just, you know, they legalized um, uh, marijuana across more states, right? But um, now they're talking about also legalizing mushrooms. So they ask you, okay, what do you think? Now, I think that, yeah, sure, legalize marijuana, but, you know, also educate people on the dangers of marijuana toxicity. People keep thinking you can't overdose on THC. And I've said it in the earlier, like I think season one or two of this episode, um, I don't know how many people actually go all the way back to listen to my like OG, like old episodes, but you can't, you can overdose on THC, especially with the THC's levels that they have now available, you know, in edibles and things of that nature. And of course, they're creating these hybrid strains. I have talked to doctors who've told me that people have shown up in the ER with a certain level of um, tox, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, Psychosis, Uh, THC-induced psychosis. There have been people who've had bipolar disorder triggered by crazy high levels of THC. You can't, you can overdose on anything, guys. It's a drug. It's a drug. You take too much of anything and it is an overdose. You you can overdose on water. If you drink a bunch of water, you can drown. You know, water is not harmful within itself, right? Pure water within itself is not harmful. You drink a bunch of it, you're going to have consequences. Salt water, you know, a small amount of salt if you literally adding a pinch to salt actually is like introducing electrolytes to, you know, let's say distilled flat water and that those little bits of electrolytes actually can help your body better, you know, uh, hydrate with it. If you add a bunch of salt, you're going to throw up, you're going to give yourself diarrhea and then you'll die, right? Anything, anything in this world, you take too much of it, there are consequences of it because that's just how the fuck this world works. So you can't tell me that something that is psychoactive, you can't overdose on it. I'm sorry. Okay. It, it's just facts. But that's another thing. That's another example of an ideological clone. You ask most people, do you believe that you can overdose in, on, in marijuana? And most people will say no, right? Because, and it's not, this is not based on an idea that they formulated on themselves. It's not based on firsthand experience. It's based on somebody telling them you can't overdose on THC. They haven't done any research beyond that. They just took it, you know, took that idea and ran with it, copied, and now that's driving their lives. And so if you're holding an idea, right, that's just a copy of somebody that somebody else's, 
and they imposed for whatever reason, for whatever made them say, you can't overdose. Maybe this was, you know, because back in the day, they were, one, the uh, in the 60s and the 70s, when uh, marijuana was introduced, you know, to like the uh, counterculture of this country, like the hippies and things like that. Um, you know, th- they, this was the plan in its natural form. And in its, in its natural form, yeah, you can't really, you know, quote, overdose on it because it just came with like, let's say three milligrams of THC order for a joint, you know. They weren't like creating the strands, the strains rather that we have now are insane, right? They didn't, like, these strains did not exist in the 60s in the 70s, right, 50, 60 years ago, okay, this is a whole new ballgame, so maybe back then, you know, when reefer madness was happening, and they were saying all these horrible things about the, you know, what marijuana can do, yeah, people were saying that it's not harmful, it's just a plant, this is how it comes, this is how it comes naturally, you know, but now that, you know, you have people that are, you know, creating all these crazy strains that are super, super strong, um, that, that's not, it's no longer natural. It's no longer in its natural form. Just like, you know, you want to compare the wheat from a hundred years ago to the GMO wheat that we have now. Once mankind starts tinkering with, with nature, you create a monstrosity of what it was in its original form, what it's supposed to be. This is happening. And the fact that most people don't understand or believe that because somebody told them, no, that's not true. They're operating on that and they will end up causing them, causing themselves significant harm should they continue to operate with that premise, right? That's an ideological clone that mentality is a copy of somebody else's that you didn't even take the time to cop to to check out on your own to see if that's true you just believe something that somebody else outside of yourself implanted into your brain right but if i say everything that i said right then somebody everything i just said a person now wants to go oh she believes this she must be a conservative she must be you know anti-drugs or whatever like there's this thing that keeps happening where you espouse uh an idea and people just go, oh, you believe this thing, then fit here in this, in this, in this group, in this category. And that's because most people in one category, left or right, they all believe the same thing. You know, if you go on, if you go on Twitter, I've been on Twitter last week, just I'm studying people and learning a lot. But you go on Twitter and you read through particularly Trump, like hardcore diehard Trump supporters, um, they're all saying the exact same thing. They're all saying, echoing the same sentiments. They're all it, to the point where it's like you, you read a quote or you read a comment and you go and look at them. You're like, I don't even think they realize what they're doing, you know? And a couple of them, you talk to them and a couple of people I haven't talked to and they, they just, they're, they're saying things that I'm like, those aren't even your own thought processes. Like those are, those are, those words that are coming out of your mouth you know, the words that you're typing into your phone, you didn't, they didn't originate in your mind. You, those are talking points. I can literally right now go on Google, type in everything that you've just said and verbatim find a clip on Fox News saying the same thing. And they believe it. And if you believe like verbatim, X, Y, and Z, if you're using the same word, and I see this on the left too, you know, people on the left, and I've called people out, on this podcast and said, you know, you got to be mindful of the labels that you use to kind of, you know, apply to people because they're not accurate, right? But you have people on the left and they're calling everybody deplorable, right? Well, who told 
people on the left to use the very word deplorable to describe people on the right, right? You, that wasn't a part of your vocabulary, you know, on a daily basis until somebody put that, put that word in your mind and it's coming out of your mouth. And that's the same thing you go on Twitter. Go. You don't have to take my word for it. If you're, you know, stumble across to the political Twitter and just read and look to see how people talk to themselves. They're echoing the same sentiments. There's nobody really, there's very few people who are in the middle saying, you know, like, both sides are to blame for this. Or, you know, either side, there are good people on on either side. I saw this one quote that said something like, you know, you might not have been a racist if you voted for for Donald Trump, but um, his racism was not a deal breaker. And my response to that is, you guys really want to say that? And I've said I've seen that same meme, and I've seen that meme kind of pop up in you know in written form, as in somebody writing that tweet as though it's like their actual original thought, but they're just echoing something that they that they've seen. That they don't know who created that meme. They just see the meme, they take it into their mindset, and now they act like that's their original thought. There, there's, but there's no thinking behind that. Copy, paste, garbage in, garbage out, right? And my response is like, Biden has said some racist stuff too. Biden has never been president. You don't, we've, we have four years, guys, <laughs> once he takes office. He has said and done some racist stuff for most of his, for, you know, throughout his life, not most of his life, you know, but throughout his life, Biden has also done and says some racist things too. You can't pretend that that shit doesn't exist, right? Telling black people you're not black, you know, if you don't vote for him, being one of the most recent ones and saying, telling cops to shoot people in the legs. And he said that repeatedly until people climbed in and said, like, you can't be saying that shit. And then he, you know, stopped saying it. But the fact that he's saying that stuff is telling you what's in his head. And we have four years. Four years is a long time. And this guy says what he thinks. He might backtrack afterwards, but he says what he thinks. And he has been saying some things that should, at the very least, make you raise your eyebrow. And I've said a person who grew up in that time period is going to come out misogynistic, you know, or at least within a misogynistic, misogynistic mindset. He's going he's gonna to come out feeling superior, feeling superior to people of color, right? He's almost 80 years old. Think about the shit that he, he's, you know, lived through. Think about the people who raised him. Think about how he perceives the world, right? Just because we've had you know, the limelight firmly on Trump for the last four years. So it's easy for us to call out all the things that he, you know, has done that's like fucked up and, you know, and racist and emboldening racist doesn't mean that four years of, of Biden aren't going to present to the same opportunity. So before you start copying and pasting stuff and, you you know, using your keyboard to basically espouse ideological um, concepts that you that didn't even origin originate in your own mind, right? They were implanted there by other people, by outsiders, by things outside of yourself. You might want to chill on that and watch this before before you end up, you know, pausing and going shit. Like I defended this guy, okay? Because at the end of the day, we're watching people um, idealize uh, Biden now simply because he's you know foil has been. I'm um, sorry, Trump has been an excellent foil. For Biden, just Trump just being the way he is um, makes anybody that's that's running up against him look good in comparison. But when you're comparing the worst possible human being, you know, to an average person, understand that once that worst possible human being goes, 
then this average person kind of has to stand on the, on their own. And you can't discount, you know, a lot of the stuff that he has said and done in the past because that's who he is and it's going to come out. You know, I've actually said on this podcast, like, I think it's weird that it took, um, it took Barack Obama a while for him to come out and endorse uh, Joe Biden. He spent eight years with this guy. So to me, that was kind of a red, you know, a red flag. And um, uh, Obama said that he was like, I will endorse a woman for president, you know. And then obviously now we had Biden. So there's a lot of stuff that the news doesn't report on that, you know, are, happened behind the scenes that we don't know about. You know, you might be going hard for somebody and saying, well, you know, Trump is racist. Um, so somehow that absor- absolves uh, Biden from being, you know, a human being um, or racist too. But I, I mean, <laughs> chill on that for a bit, you know, let this guy take office and watch him. And I'm sure that um, he'll show himself soon enough. Um, so yeah. Um, but yeah, even those accusations within itself, whether true or not, um, are ideological clones like they're programmed right they're they're a result of what you have seen and heard um kind of repeated uh and it's kind of imposed itself into your own consciousness and now it's driving 90 to 95 percent of your actions right so if you aren't even control of if you're not if you're not even aware of 95% of the things that are driving your behavior, how can you claim to be sentient? How can you claim to have free will? You don't. You absolutely do not. If you don't pause and ask yourself, wait, am I doing with my life what I want to do with my life or what other people expect from me? Remove other people from the equation and ask yourself, is this what I want to be doing with my life? The, The... are the choices that I'm making now my own choices or are they imposed on me by external circumstances, right? Am I a clone, right? If I'm having a conversation with somebody, right, can they tell everything about me and what I believe within three sentences? Because a lot of people right now, if they say, I believe this one thing, you can basically read them without even having a conversation with them. And at that point, if, if, you're, if I can tell everything about what is in your mind based on just you know, one or two sentences, why should I even talk to you? How are you interesting? There's nothing, you're just echoing stuff that was placed into your, into your mind. I, I don't want to be exposed to that. That's just an echo. You're, you know, <laughs> I don't want to be exposed to that. That's not interesting to conversate with. You're, you're not, it's like, I might as well just talk to Siri. Siri comes with a set of pre-programmed responses. If you are just a walking set of pre-programmed responses, you're no different than an NPC character on a video game. I'll say that again. Siri comes with her own or his own set of pre-programmed responses. If everything that comes out of your mouth is a set of pre-programmed responses based on ideological um, impositions on your own psyche, on, on your mind, on your perception even of reality, 
Why should I bother sitting and having a why should anybody bother and sitting having a conversation with you? I certainly wouldn't try to have a conversation with Siri, not for too long before that gets boring. Try to ask Siri questions. Eventually, you understand. You, there's a point of view that realizes that these responses are canned. Um, this is a waste of my time, and so you walk off. If you are a regular listener to this podcast, you probably have had this feeling where you go to try to have conversations with people, and they have nothing interesting to say. Right? They're all talking about the same thing. You know, a lot of people you start the conversation, and you're like, "Hey, how's it going?" It's good. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. What are your plans for this weekend? Like they say the same shit (laughs) every single time, every single time. Hey, how are you? Fine. How are you? Great. What are your plans this weekend? Oh, I don't know. I'm probably going to watch something on Netflix. Like basically just like basic, basic. You're not, they're not even deviating from their life schedule. Like don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. You're a bot. Don't talk to me. Don't ask me, oh, hey, how's the weather? I don't give a fuck. Ask your phone what the weather is like. It will be able to give you a more accurate representation of the weather down to the barom, you know, I don't know, barometric. Is that the right word? Scale. You know, the what's the humidity outside? I, these, this is not conversations that I want to have. These are not conversations that I want to have because it's the same shit. You know, I, I. <laughs> I have an appointment that I have to go to every week, and every time the, the lady, the, the assistant that I have to talk to, and, and she's a sweet person, it's the same fucking thing. Hey, Joe, how are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? Great. Do you have any plans for this weekend? And today I finally said, like, no, you already asked me that. <laughs> so, like, copy and paste all my responses from all of your questions that you've been asking me for the past like three, four months. Stop asking me the same fucking questions. And yeah, you could argue, well, you know, maybe you're just giving her the same answer. Yeah, I'm giving her the same. Does that mean that you're doing the same thing? No, I don't do the same thing every weekend when she asks me, what am I doing every weekend? I just don't feel like having the same stupid conversation. She doesn't, she doesn't really care what I'm doing. That's the problem. You know, if I sit and tell her, you know what, actually this weekend I plan on binge reading four books, you know, on quantum physics to revisit um, concept that might, you know, I might have slipped as I've, you know, uh, traveled down this road of uh, Eastern spirituality. And then I asked her, you ever question the nature of your reality? Do you think she's going to respond you think she's going to even, like, what's going to happen is, or her eyes are going to glaze over. That was not the response she wanted. That's not even a response that she can comprehend. How are you no different than an NPC? How are you no different than a non-playable character in a video game? If I put on a VR helmet right now, right, and I walk up to an entity standing there, and I ask them, and I say, hey, how do I get to so-and-so? And they give me a can response because that's the program response, right? If I then answer, have you actually ever wondered whether or not you're in a simulation? The NPC is going to look at me and go, which direction did you need to go? And you see that same, you see that same reaction in actual fucking people. And that's the point that I'm trying to make with this episode. 
ideological clones. See, we, I want to use the video game analogy again because an NPC across the board, across every person's copy, let's say of The Sims or whatever, right? Any character that you interact with in the video game, that, that character is going to have the same name. It's going to be in the same fucking location, right? On my computer, on your computer, on, on that person, they're copies. They're copies and their behavior is predictable. And what we're seeing too is marketing companies, right? Big tech, they're watching us. They're seeing how they're learning from us. Eventually what's going to happen is if people don't learn to deviate in some way, which the the people who are listening to my podcast, okay, I'm not able to reach, you know, I don't have 300 million people looking, listening to me, you know, on a daily basis to get them. Hey, if you really want to, if you really want to revolt, quote, revolt against big tech, you might want to start deviating from your schedule a bit. Right. That's not going to happen. I, I can't talk to those people. I can't reach those people. Right. But they're 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 figuring out our patterns. And if they're capable, if they're capable of figuring out our patterns, because we keep walking, doing we do the same shit. We say the same shit. We wake up the same time, you know, and, and we're talking about the same things, you know, to a certain extent. And and a lot of the things and there's nothing wrong with, you know, repetition. I mean, that's it is what it is. Right? I, in previous episodes, I talked about, you know, Sisyphus, if you're going to be charged with doing the same thing over and over again, one must imagine yourself happy. That's not what I mean necessarily, though. Right. Because there, there is at the very least when I talk about I do the same thing every day, my, my process is creative. Right. So if you're doing the same thing every day and your process is creative, I think that's a bit different. Right. But if you're getting up in the morning, first thing you do is grab your phone and you're scrolling for hours. Um, They know that they see that they monitor that. And now they know how to kind of manipulate you. Right. If you're. If there's no depth to your actions. Right. And your responses aren't coming from within. Right. See, nobody told me living in the society, nobody programmed me to go and binge, try to attempt to try and binge read um, as many books in a month as possible because, and as fast as possible and revisit and, and memorize these books because I want to be a different type of human. That, you don't, you don't hear those kind of conversations every day, right? You don't, people aren't com- coming to those conclusions. How many people do you know read? Do you read? How many books do you read a week? How many books do you read a month, right? My actions, my behavior, right? These aren't, these aren't actions or behaviors that came from external sources. Nobody, is t- nobody outside of myself told me to try to at least read four to six books a month. I decided that on my own. I made a conscious choice on my own because I... Woke up and, and looked around and said, I, I want to I wanna master this. I want to master myself even. Okay? But that's not what society is programming most people to do. Society is programming most people not to create, but to consume. Right? Nobody told me, Joe, you know, paint every single day. I, I would love to, you know, get up and just consume for copious, you know, <laughs> amounts of time on a daily basis. That's what society wants you to do. That's what society programs you to do. And that would make you an ideological clone. If, every, if you're standing in a crowd 
and you look around and everybody's got their head bound, staring into their phone. Those are clones. They're all doing the same thing. They're all behaving in the same way. They're all on social media. They're clones. A person who's not a clone, a person whose behavior and actions isn't being influenced by external circumstances, that person puts their phone down and looks up and looks around and takes it in and looks at the sun and and asks themselves questions like, why are we the only living planet in a graveyard of worlds? Right? That was... uh, that was my, my, my thought today. You know, I, I was, I think I was, you know, I tend to scroll through, uh, Twitter when I'm like, if, when I go to use the bath and TMI, but, <laughs> but, you know, first thing in the morning, what else is there to do? I guess you could, I can, you know, listen to an audible, audible, audio book. Um, but you know, I, I scroll through just to, just to see, you know, get the news in, and then I get off and go about my day. Um, but what I read today is this. We are inhabitants in the only living planet in an interplanetary graveyard. Outside of our world, the lifeless corpses of other heavenly bodies encircle us, signaling our fate. Mars, Venus, Mercury, All the gods are dead, save Gaia. And here we are, arguing over dumb shit. Here we are, arguing over dumb shit. When I look around and I see everybody doing the same thing, that's my reminder. Hey, you're part of the, you're in the herd, right? Look up, walk away from it, take a step back, right? Your behavior is being influenced not by your consciousness. You're not, not by you, but by other people's expectations of your behavior. By other people, it could mean literally other people. It could mean people in the media. It could mean, you know, your family members. It could mean, you know, what is trending, you know, what everybody's talking about right now. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not. I'm, pre- I'm prepared, and I, on a daily basis, I, I evaluate myself, and I check my ego, and I humble myself. I, I catch myself, you know, sometimes echoing things, behaving in a way, defending things that, especially defending things in a way that other people would defend, reacting in a way that other people would react. And when I catch myself doing that, I say, hey, wake up, stay conscious. So everything I say in these podcasts, you know, I, I'm also talking to myself. I'm not above at all. I, you know, all of these, you know, influences of our behavior, you know, I also am and was subjected to. I'm not quite above it yet, but I am able to kind of watch and see, you know, my actions and what I'm doing and how, how I react to things. You know, I want to take it back to that comment I made about imbalance. I want to pull in the media to kind of help justify this. Okay, so they, they want us to, right now, 
first things first, let's talk about Fox News. All right, Fox News markets themselves as alternative media, and they don't consider themselves mainstream media. But if you look at their ratings, um, that's their mainstream media, their corporate-owned mainstream media. So I, it goes without saying, but I got into a conversation, not an argument, with a conversation with a person who you could tell by their responses, talk about ideological clones, you could tell by their responses that they watch Fox News. And I called them out. I said, you know, these are talking points from Fox News. And the reason why I know that is because I watch Fox News so that when a person is parroting something that they read on Fox News or they heard on Fox News, I can, I can go, I'm not talking to you because you're not even thinking for yourself. You are now in NPC mode. You're not conscious. And to me, arguing with you, right, is like arguing with Siri on my phone until you're able to have your own sort of original thought don't i'm not gonna i'm not gonna talk to you it's like arguing with my phone okay so i watch fox news and then i'll watch cnn and then i'll watch msnbc and then i'll watch maybe newsmax and and i can only tolerate little bits at a time it's just for me it's about becoming and being balanced okay balanced each side claims right and by each side i don't mean us as an americans i mean the media Right, they they have categorized themselves into two categories, right, left wing and right wing. Okay, so and they want us, they want hum, humankind, humanity to fall into these factions. Okay, so last one I mean by left wing and, and right wing and you know imbalance. They claim to be uh, balanced, but they're not. The left wing media, CNN and all of them, and NBC, MSNBC, they are not balanced. They are very left leaning. Okay, and then the right wing media, on the opposite end, they are also not balanced. They're, they claim to be balanced, but they're not. You could tell they're very right leaning. Now, if all your mind consumes is right wing media, then you will be balanced and skewed to the right. Right. Think, I want you to imagine a seesaw. Right. Remember the 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 things in a in a playground. I want you to imagine um, a seesaw. So if you take, or even a scale, you take a scale. Yeah, scale is a better analogy. You take a scale, right? And it's supposed to be balanced. It's balanced down the middle, right? And everything that you have in your mind, you place it all. It, it comes from the right, so you place it all on the right. But what happens? Um, then your mind is way down on the right, and then the left, it's all empty, right? And then flip that same analogy and apply it to the left. If everything that's in your mind comes only from left-wing media, right, CNN, MSNBC, then everything in your mind is weighed very strongly to the left, right? So that's an unbalanced scale, right? And then, and that also reflects an imbalanced mind, right? If everything that's coming into your mind just comes from one, then you're out of balance, right? So the best way to make yourself a a well-rounded, balanced individual is you take a step back and you balance what you're hearing on the left with what you're hearing on the right. Expose yourself to both sides, right? And then that, when you put, when you take the weight you put equal weight on the left as you do on the right and you balance it. You take, you put equal attention on the left side as you do on the right. That makes you a more balanced mind. That makes you a more balanced individual, right? How does that hurt you? That doesn't. 
that helps you, that helps you become more balanced. And it's not just the media, it's also, you know, really on anything. You know, if you find yourself, you know, believing an ideology that is maybe just firmly one-sided, it's up to you to challenge that and say, okay, why do I believe this? And if you happen to be lucky enough to come across somebody who actually believes the opposite, don't close yourself off from interacting with them. Open your mind to the point where you you let what they have to say come in, especially if this is something they believe. I'm not saying take their beliefs into your mind and hold it as now this is what I believe. But if you take in their information and balance it against what you already believe, right? Let's say you only believe that, you know, people should be with people of their own kind. Okay, fine. That's one, you know, that's a right-leaning ideology, right? And you've lived your whole life and that just even on the scale of relationships, expectations, um, you're balanced, you're off balance to the right. This is what you believe. Now you come across somebody who um, is actually, let's say, in an interracial relationship and they say, oh, you know, I used to think that, but um, I'm actually happily married with my partner and I kept my mind open and this person is, you know, not like me. And yes, we have our issues or whatever, but we learn from each other. Now, you can shut yourself off to that, but then that keeps you imbalanced. Or you can open your mind up and go, okay, well, that's interesting. I never really thought about that. Tell me more. And then they can explain. The more you let information from, let's say, an, you know, an alternative um, perspective than your own, the more balanced you become. Now, you have information from both sides, which will now allow you to make a more balanced decision. You may decide, you know what, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad for that person's input. It doesn't change my perspective, but I'm not against it now for other people, right? You don't, I'm not saying you just, you hear that person all of a sudden, now you're cool with, you know, interracial relationships or whatever you want to call it. Um, but at least your perspective is now balance. And that to me is like for me with the whole um, pro-life analogy, right? I grew up Catholic, you know, and in my my mind, you know, I had this programming of abortions, you know, every life is sacred more or less, right? But that was an ideology that was imposed on me. So that's why I say, well, I, you know, in my mind, for myself personally, I am pro-life. And I've lived my life in such a way where I wouldn't have to make that decision of having to have an abortion unless, you know, like it's absolutely like it's medical, medically necessary. But that is a, you know, but that was not an idea that I just held on to. You know, I, I, I can sit here and tell you I recognize where that idea came from you know, my parents and my upbringing. But that being said, I'm not 100% pro-life. Like if there was a situation where I would have to do that, um, and I would hope not, but if there was a situation where I would have to do that, I'm not going to completely close myself off from that. That being said, I exposed my mind to people who are pro-life and I listened to their argument. And that was how I was able to come up with a balanced perspective to say, you know what, for myself, I would make that choice, but who am I to come in the way or to decide what another woman who maybe didn't have the upbringing that I did and didn't have, you know, the life that I've had, or just, this is her choice. Um, Who am I to take that choice from her? 
right? So now I'm a more balanced person. I'm capable of seeing things to a certain extent from both sides of the fence. And that keeps me balanced. There's nothing wrong with being centered, right? That's, that's where, you know, in Buddhism, they call it, you know, your balance, your Zen. Absolutely nothing wrong with being centered. It means you're balanced and it means you're conscious because you're willing and able to challenge preconceived ideologies that might have been imposed into your mind or programmed, right? That you've held. All right. Well, thank you for listening.